0: Went to Texas and they messed with us. Tell them what happened.
1: What happened? Your card got cloned. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Sorry. I had. You I, forgot
0: about it because we had so much time, but Texas wanted to mess with you.
1: Yeah, baby. They th- Somebody stole $400 out of my account uh, at a gas station. Who
0: can spend $400 at a gas station? I'll tell you here, Oh, no. You know how many cans of Sprite that is? It? <laughs> it's my favorite. It's delicious <laughs> on a hot <laughs> summer day. It's really refreshing on a winter day, okay? Bobby Lynn, it's our cold open! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for those of you not on the Patreon, Bobby Lynn, she's a new member here at the Obsessed Network at OWD. She comes in every once in a while. Well, it is speaking that I'm on a podcast.
2: was the victim of
0: crime. <laughs> well, if you don't know who Bobby Lynn is, that means you're not on our Patreon and if you want to join Patreon and meet this character that was held up at knife point, apparently on, I almost got away with it. And I still ain't paid $143. (laughs) You can join our Patreon by going to the disappeared pod and clicking the Patreon link for more episodes of Joey and I. It gets a little spicy, gets a little crazy over on the Patreon. We have over a hundred episodes ready for you to download and binge. Bobby Lynn, what is your favorite episode? Oh,
1: I can't listen to none of your ips I've been
2: traumatized because a man
0: stole my last box of cheese. Oh, it's just more of that. So if you feel like doing that, go ahead and join us. But here we are. We are back from our tour. Yeah. We got to meet so many dumb bitches. How was
1: tour for you, my love? Let me tell you something. I don't open mouth kiss, but I hugged everybody. I love to hug. Now I know why God gave me these monkey arms. Yeah, it was to wrap them around each one of you.
0: They're more of a orangutan, but <laughs> we got to see so many down bitches live and in person. Didn't I tell you we have the best listeners in the world? We
1: really do. We really. Everybody do. was pretty rad. Thank yeah, you I said rad. so
0: much to everyone who came out. We had a blast, and we can't wait to do more of it. Should we get to the episode? I think so. Episode 4, Into the Mist, tells the story of the disappearance of Stephanie Crane.
3: Stephanie's an independent, bubbly nine-year-old who prefers cowboy boots to dresses.
2: We would rather be out playing in the dirt with the trucks, with the boys, than in playing with dolls.
3: One night, she goes bowling with friends and never returns. I remember him watching all of us kids. I realized that man that I saw could have been something more than just an unusual person. She was a
2: nine-year-old girl. If she'd have ran away from home, she'd be at grandma's house, and she's not here.
3: It's a story that alters a small city forever.
2: October 11th will always bring back memories of Stephanie. She'll never be forgotten, not from any of us.
3: And left loved ones to face decades of enduring pain.
2: I named my third child Stephanie after my best friend. She's still a part of my family. She always will be. Now, I'm giving y'all a warning now. Uh-oh. I hear the Southern
0: in your voice. I've what is in it been <gasps> We just came back from Texas just yesterday. you yeah. got it in your bones. It's there.
1: You know, I don't know how I'm going to make it without crying. Usually it's you that's fighting your tears back. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah. But I'm going to try. We're going to try. So, here we are on October 11th, 1993 in Chalice, Idaho. Population of 1,000. Let me say that again. Wow. Population of one. Thousand. Being
0: in a small town like that, I don't know if we have any listeners from a small town that small, but that's like being a part of a group chat you never asked to be put on. But they show us some outside pictures of Idaho. Honey, that looked like
1: a postcard. It's beautiful. Didn't it
0: look beautiful?
1: Yeah, rolling.
0: Oh, my stars. The water, crystal clear. What did I just s- say? I'm uh, rolling. I'm, I'm I know, rolling. I know what you meant. <laughs> but they tell us that the closest town is an hour away. Honey, if you put me an hour away from a McDonald's fountain diet Coke, you are putting me in harm's way. Could you imagine forgetting something at the store? And you're like, oh, God. Well, I'm not going back. Well, I'm
1: let not- me tell you, though. If there's a zombie apocalypse, this is where you want to be. Why? Because it's going take a long time for them zombies to get you.
0: Oh, where did the zombies go first? Big cities. Didn't know that.
1: Yeah, good to know. You've never Guys. watched the. So obviously, you've never watched The Walking Dead. No,
0: and they also tell us that in this small town, everybody watches out for everyone. I was like, I mean, you don't really need TV. You just look at like someone's backyard, you know? <laughs> you are just like, what's going
1: on over there? Listen, if I lived in a small town, a uh, population a thousand, my welcome mat would say, "Mind your business and don't talk to me at the Kroger." <laughs> I, I, guess, like I guess it's going to have to be a large match. I
0: feel like your <laughs> match should say that no matter what, but okay. October 11th,
3: 1993, around 3 p.m., nine-year-old Stephanie Crane finishes school and goes with her friends to the bowling alley just across the road. We all walk to to Chalice Lane's bowling alley to do our elementary bowling league.
2: We bowled three games. A lot of the times we all ordered food and, and ate together.
1: So we hear about nine-year-old Stephanie Crane. We see her picture, and she's just oh an angel, God. just like scrappy, a little scruffy, and gorgeous. I
0: know, just like her little hair, like you could tell that she took a picture after she's been outside running around. Just the cutest little so, thing, so cool. And Luann Berry, who's just a resident. Yeah, they just say resident. I was like, is this the Scoops Daniels case where they just have a <laughs> bunch of people there? And we learned that she finishes school on this particular day, and she goes to the bowling alley across the the road from the school for bowling league.
1: Yeah. So just to give you a timeline, school finishes it at three and then the whole league in uh, yeah. her grade walks across the street to their elementary bowling league. Bo- that sounds fun as hell. That, uh, bowling
0: is the only time you can play with a bunch of balls with no judgment.
3: I so see what you did I, there.
0: Yeah. You're like, I just say, like, I do love bowling, but I have very teeny wrists, so I'm eh, not very Jesus good at it. I do. It's true.
1: <laughs> so Stephanie's friend, Brandy Bennett's, is here. She's all grown up. Yeah. And she says, you know, we bowled three games. We ordered food together. We ate. They were having a blast. It honestly sounds like so much fun. It does sound like fun. But that's when Christopher tells us that Stephanie is definitely not a
3: girl's girl.
1: did he say girly girl? No, I think he said a girl's girl.
3: Stephanie is definitely not a girl. Girl's girl.
1: What does that mean? I don't I don't blame Christopher. He's just following the script, but I was like you you
0: are very nice to Christopher. You give him lots of benefits of all of your doubts. And I just yell at him.
1: <laughs> but I'm like, "Oh god, I hate when we have to inject the gender norms." I know
0: I said before on an episode where I said that I didn't like tomboy. I like I want to change that with like young feminist icon. <laughs> messaged me and they're like, I like the name Tomboy. And I said, that's fine. I don't like a name of a girl being put in proximity to a boy, you know?
1: I mean, it's just interesting because gender is so, I mean, like, if a little boy wants to play with dolls, let him play with dolls. Yeah. If a little girl wants to go fishing, I I mean, those things shouldn't be like, oh, that's what a girl does and that's what a boy does. You know what I mean?
0: Totally. But but they all to say, you know, Grandma Hazel is here. She ran around with
2: Dad all the time. Went fishing, hunting. Rock picking. Very outdoorsy. What? How do you pick a rock?
0: I don't know. I mean, the fishing and hunting go on, but it's like, what are you? I'm going rock picking. Okay. (laughs) What? You just, you pick rocks? I don't know. Okay. I just didn't know that was a named hobby. I'm sure I did it as a child.
1: Yeah, no, that wasn't for me. But friend Brandy says that they like to play sports with the boys and play in the dirt. And she says we weren't into dolls or like doing our hair nails, which was the opposite for me because growing up. I played with my sister's Barbies. I used to give all of her Cabbage Patch dolls, lost their pigtails, and I gave them bobs.
0: I'm sure they looked adorable. I don't know about that. I don't think so either. (laughs) And they show all these old pictures of her. Oh, she was so weensy and so so cute. cute.
1: She was a sweetheart. She made friends with boys, girls. She didn't care. She was really loved. Yeah. And that's when we hear about Stephanie's father, Ben.
0: Right. And he worked in the mines, and he also did taxidermy.
1: Can I tell you? What? I'm kind of fascinated by taxidermy.
0: I mean, love is fleeting. Taxidermy is forever, honey.
3: (laughs) Her mother, Sandy, is a homemaker. They have three younger daughters, ages two, four, and six.
2: Stephanie was closer to her father than she was her mother because there was the younger babies coming along, and I think Sandy was busy with them.
3: Her friends say that Stephanie has a unique relationship with her father.
2: They was always joking with each other and teasing each other and playing around, just happy, you know. Loving,
1: <laughs> and so also we hear about Stephanie's mom, Sandy. She's a stay-at-home mom.
2: Yep, and hardest
1: they, job
0: in the world. It is a full-time oh. job. I,
1: y'all have my respect, and they have four kids, including Stephanie. And at the time, it's a lot of kids. Well, I was one of four. A lot of kids. It's a lot, and I was always like, "It's too crowded. Get some of these people out of here." why well, your mom's lost her marbles. Truly. You guys took them all. God love you for thinking she ever had them. <laughs> and so at the time, they were two, four, and six. It's a lot of kids. It's a
0: lot of kids. She was really close with her dad. She was also very close with Grandma Hazel, who's here. We learned that she loved to ride her bike all over the county. And then, you know, Christopher says, you're not going to blame Christopher. I will. I, I will blame Christopher. He says it's a town where they...
3: It's the rare kind of town where people don't lock their doors. Why? Lock your doors. Mean, I
0: love that it's a place where people can.
3: Don't lock their doors.
0: But it just, why? Can everyone just lock their doors?
1: I'm not taking any risks.
0: Yeah. I'm locking everything. I get that it was 1993. It's sort of what people did, but I'm going to have kittens. Just lock your door.
1: Just lock (laughs) them. Just lock them. It's there. Just lock them. Yeah. And also we find out that the kids in Chalice, they had a lot of freedom. They could bike wherever they wanted. They could walk home. The kids had a lot of independence. They could go play outside unsupervised, which is... Honestly, that's how I was that's raised. That's how I
0: raised, but I was a, my brothers and I were like a little traveling band of three. We didn't really go anywhere without each other. Yeah. So I was never really alone, but we were. We, it was the three of us. We would go out and play. My parents had no
1: idea where we were. Yeah. I didn't really play alone, and like we had woods by our house, and I was like, I ain't going yeah. in there. Yeah.
3: At 4:45 p.m. on October 11th, Stephanie and her classmates are wrapping up their games for their after-school bowling league. A teammate's mother, Luann Berry, is there. On her way out. Luann sees Stephanie standing in the bowling alley parking lot.
0: I asked Stephanie, are you going home? And she lived just across the creek from the bowling alley. And she said, yes, she was going home. And one of the moms was there to pick up her kids, and she sees Stephanie in the parking lot, and she was like, are you going home? And she was saying that she lived by the, she says this word. across the crick." I love Southern people. I love it, but I she's like, it. this
1: isn't the South.
0: I know, but the crick. It just, she sounded Southern. I know it's not the South. <laughs> so, they see Stephanie walk into the crick, and she was like, wait, is she going to her grandmother's house? Because she lives the other way.
1: Right. And so, that mother drives on, but her friend Brandy Bennett and her mom also see Stephanie as they're pulling out of the parking lot, but she was actually waiting to cross Highway 93, headed back to school.
0: Yeah, she was like, I just forgot my backpack up by the soccer field. No worries. So the school was like five Five minutes minutes. away. And then going back to her house was like 10 minutes away. No big deal.
1: So she's supposed to be home by five, but 5 p.m. comes and there's no Stephanie. Yeah. So Mama Sandy calls Grandma Hazel at 5 15 and says, Hi, Stephanie is not home. Is she there? And Grandma Hazel says, No, but let me go outside and see if she's playing with the boys. Yeah. And the boys hadn't seen Stephanie. Yeah.
0: So they're like, All right, let's hop in the car. It's starting to get dark. And you know, they're they're looking around. Now they know that Stephanie hates the dark.
1: Same. Yeah, terrifying. St- of it.
0: I, you know, I feel like they think people outgrow their fear of the dark, but like, you know, unless you have a very active imagination, sometimes <laughs> you just don't outgrow your. It's like it's like a primitive.
1: I know, honey. We've all seen the videos of you walking right into your hotel room and punching the shower curtain. It's we true. know
0: <laughs> it's like I, I give myself pep talks. I'm like, all right, self what are you doing? Are you scared of the dark? What are you scared of? What's going to happen? And then myself says Freddy Krueger and I'm like, okay. So, boom. <laughs> Freddy w- Kruger. We're, we're not dealing with a normal person and that is me. I am still scared of the dark. I don't like the dark.
1: I don't think it's abnormal, but you and I are definitely different because you remember how I'm changing my apartment uh- right now. <laughs> and my apartment before, when people would come by, they're like, what's the theme? I'm like, well, I wanted it to feel like Meemaw's house. Yeah. I really did want it to feel warm and cozy like Meemaw's house. Yeah. And then Charlie Sutton came over and he goes, so you've painted your entire place black. Yep. What are you going for now? I was like well Coffin now. Coffin chic. <laughs> now it's like Meemaw died. Yeah. And she's haunting the joint.
0: Y'all he his whole we'll post a picture his room is black his living room is black it's like your soul. Oh my soul is not black. No it is no but yeah you do love the dark I am no no everything and I changed my whole house to white. It's the Every- New
1: Orleans in me. What?
0: A little macabre. That, that can't be your answer for everything. Okay. He mis- Says who he mispronounced something the other day and he was like, Well, I'm from New Orleans. I was like, That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it does if you're from New Orleans. So before they start panicking. They start to rationalize. Yes. Did she go over to someone's house? Did yeah. she go for a sleepover? They call all the friends and they're like, could you imagine Stephanie's like, yeah, I'm at Becky's house. I needed a break from you all. I needed a break. <laughs> but they're trying not to panic. I get that. Which
1: is something that they say in the episode. They're like, we thought maybe she needed a break from her home. There's it so, was so many kids. kids. Could so... you imagine
0: little Stephanie's <laughs> just a lot of kids.
1: So we hit 8 p.m and no one can find her. Yeah. So Mama Sandy drives to the sheriff's department and around 8:15, she reports her daughter missing. Yeah,
0: honey, she, Mama Sandy was not messing around. No. She was like, this might not be Breckenridge, but I am going straight there. And the sheriff's department, they got spring into action. Yeah, they, they are like, all right, let's go check the creek, see if she fell in, which, how scary. Really scary, but
1: it's also dark, remember, yeah. so it's very hard to see. And that's when we meet Linda Dubiel of the Custer County Sheriff's Office.
3: Sheriff's Office dispatcher Linda Dubiel immediately calls in Custer County Search and Rescue, as well as the fire department. Townspeople also join the hunt for Stephanie.
2: So it was probably about 50 of us at the time Um, and
0: we all walked where we were supposed to walk and then came back, met at the bowling alley and
2: they wanted us to extend the search into town.
3: Knowing that time is of the essence, search teams use every means available.
1: And she calls in search and rescue and the fire department, and they're out there trying to find Stephanie. Honey, they were messing around. We were not nothing- like, good on y'all. Yeah,
0: they had flashlights. They were going from the bowling alley. They searched the salmon river. Now I'm unsure if it's called the Salmon River because there's salmon in it, or if it's the color of your pots and pans. <laughs> I have no idea. But they searched. I would it. be concerned
1: about a salmon covered river. What did I just say? Covered river. This river's covered in salmon. <laughs>
0: Just like Joey's caraway <laughs> pots and pans. Joey, guess what?
1: So at midnight, they aren't able to find I anything. Know. And so they call off the search. And the next morning, news of Stephanie's disappearance is all over town.
2: How
0: horrifying would that be for a child? That is like hair raising. Because I told you, I had a deep and very, very real fear of getting kidnapped as a child. And just the idea, that just doesn't make sense in your brain. Yeah. You're you're a kid, you go to school, you go to the bowling alley, you go home, you sleep in your comfy bed. The idea that she didn't return, that just must have been hair raising for those kids. Of
1: course it was. So now the next morning the search resumes again police search and rescue fire departments and they have a hundred volunteers this yeah. time and they're scouring the area flyers are issued all over the state and that's when a report comes in of an, a vehicle that no one recognizes
3: then suddenly a curious sighting near the school gets investigators attention a vehicle that residents don't recognize is parked at the high school a couple hundred yards from Stephanie's school We
2: received numerous reports of a yellow pickup around the school. People just
3: thought it was suspicious. In a town the size of Chalice, residents say they often recognize each other's vehicles. But this one wasn't linked to any Chalice parent.
0: Could you imagine, like, not only knowing everybody in the town, but knowing Knowing what kind of car everyone drove? They're like, hi, Hey, did you get a new pair of Capris? <laughs> I noticed that. I, I don't recognize those Capris. Lucy got, Lucy got new Capris. Like, they just know everything. But then they said it was a yellow pickup truck. I was like, okay. I That's like distinctive. That, that was distinctive. That might stick out. That might give people pause.
1: And the police go looking for the truck, but when they arrive at the school, It was gone, and no one had recorded the license plate. Yeah.
0: So they brought in the search dog, and then they show, oh, this got me. They show the picture of, like, an empty school desk my heart. I know. And they were like, we were instructed not to touch it because they wanted everything to be this. I I just got chills. I just got chills. Yeah. So then we meet friend Chase because they go to all the kids and they start interviewing the kids, which again, how scary must that be? And they were like, actually, there was a creepy guy at the bowling alley. And Chase was like, yes. And they ask him more questions and they try to get a composite of the guy. I hate composite shots. I, I know you I do. I hate it. Like, they just can't help but look creepy as shit. Like, they always end up looking like a big toe in a hat, you know, who for <laughs> sure drives a Camaro <laughs> and, like, smells like urine and cigars. Wow. They all look like that. They all look like
1: the Unabomber. Remember yeah. that composite sketch yes, of the Unabomber? Yes, they
0: all Like, could you imagine? How do you describe someone's face? And a nine-year-old, little nine-year-old, you know, Chase is sitting there. He's like, yeah, he's got eyes. I, know. Yeah, I was like, I know. how do you describe that? And they went by Chase's memory of this guy. I know.
1: I mean, if they asked me describe her, I'd be like, have you seen Prince? Yeah. <laughs> just just put that and put some long hair on it and a, a pilgrim dress. That's her. You'll That's find her. her.
0: You'll find her no time. <laughs> Bigger teeth than but- Prince.
1: But also Chase says that this guy was staring at them and yeah. not like blatantly staring at these kids, watching them and made them very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, this so. poor guy. And Chase is here as an adult. Yes. He's here. And so they circulate the composite picture, which, you know, looks like my dad from the 80s. And <laughs> 10 days pass and nothing comes in. But that town raised a 50 $1,000 reward.
1: Yeah. And sadly, no news came in from that either. Yeah. So the family is devastated. Of course they are. They're not sleeping. Stephanie's dad, Ben, becomes extremely reserved. Yeah. The whole town of Chalice is gripped by fear. And the parents are no longer allowing their children to be outside by themselves. I mean, parents were picking up their kids from the classroom. I, I don't, don't blame, blame them. them. I don't. I would do the You're same
0: thing. you too similar. You guys say <laughs> the same thing at the same time.
1: Sorry, Missy 456 <laughs> (laughs)
3: On October 15th, four days after Stephanie went missing, a tip comes in. On the night she vanished, another unknown vehicle was seen in town. A blue van parked on the shoulder of Highway 93, about a half mile from the bowling alley. Then, just 45 minutes later, there's another sighting of a blue van, 30 miles south of Chalice. One of the reports
2: Custer County Sheriff's Office received from the clerk at the convenience store was the two men were fighting.
0: October 15th, another tip came in, and it was another unknown vehicle. Do not go to Chalice. Honey. In a vehicle that no one recognizes. We need more towns like Chalice. So a half a mile from the bowling alley, they saw a blue van. Then that same blue van, or one matching its description, was seen like
1: 30 miles away. And when the police showed up to go and try to find this van, it was gone. Yeah. And here's the thing that you have to remember Stephanie disappeared in October, which is the middle of elk and deer hunting season in Chalice. So they have a ton of people from neighboring towns and cities in and out of there. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of people. Yeah.
0: So we fast forward a year to September 27th, 1994, and it's just before what would be Stephanie's 10th birthday. And, you know, they release balloons in her memory. And then we find out that, Her dad, Ben, and mom, Sandy, got a divorce. Yeah. And this is not uncommon. Yeah. The stress of a family, the stress, the sadness, the depression, it's really, really common. Grandma Hazel is there just saying that, like, the family was just really going through hard times.
1: I mean, I don't know how, as a mom and dad. Yeah. And your child has been missing and not passed away there's no answers, but just ripped from your arms. Yeah. How do you keep going? Yeah. And you have three kids. Yeah. And bills. Like life keeps going, trying to do that while coping with this. Lo- I mean, I under- yeah. And also may- when
0: you're when you're upset, you tend to take things out to those you're closest to. Yes. Which is why you are my punching bag. Thank you for my for my emotions. Lucky
1: me. <laughs> uh-
0: <laughs> the amount of times Joey says, "I think you're tired." Maybe you also need to eat something.
1: <laughs> I need to carry a bag of peanuts in my purse. Be like, "Yeah, hey, munch on these peanuts, yeah. you old buzzard. She,
0: she's not mean. She's just hungry. <laughs> give, give her a chicken finger. She'll be fine in five minutes. She's not mean. She's
1: just from Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So sadly, in May of 1995, Mama Sandy moves to Reno, Nevada, where her health started to decline And she eventually passed away from blood clots in her lungs. I
0: have to believe some of that is caused by stress. Oh, I believe it it too. It has to be. And so their family is just having trouble, you know, getting their life back on track. And now the family had complained that law enforcement wasn't doing enough to help solve this crime. And law enforcement, hold on to your butts, I hope you're sitting down, says, well...
2: One of the things that we complained about was the fact... We weren't being kept in the loop. And the state's attorney general said, you know, according to our office, there's no proof there was a crime committed here. I said, yes, there was a crime committed. They said, well, maybe she ran away. And I said, no, she didn't run away. She was a nine-year-old girl. If she'd have ran away from home, she'd be at grandma's house and she's not here. The district attorney of Idaho. Yeah,
0: was like, I don't we don't know if a crime was committed. Yeah. And the family was like, come on my what? Yep. What do you think happened with our nine-year-old? Like, she couldn't handle life. So yeah. she decided to up and disappear herself and go start
1: a new life somewhere yeah. else in Boise. Like, what? It doesn't um, make any sense. No! And then they were like, maybe she ran away. Yeah. Because a nine-year-old was like, you know what? Our bowling league is not doing well. Yeah. I got to get out of here. I hear Toledo's nice this yeah, time of year. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Here
0: I go. Like, she's got that little stick with the hanky in the back. You yeah. know, I t- I once, I ran away with some hot dog buns and some grape juice. It's a lot harder than it <laughs> seems. And poor Grandma Hazel was like, yeah, if she was going to run away, guess what she would run away to?
1: Grandma's house. house. right.
0: No, she didn't run away, you fuck-ups. And, like, the law enforcement was like, "Welp." And the family was like, "Welp, welp, what? Well, they didn't want to take accountability. No. They didn't want I mean, I want to like, take accountability? Cr- they full out said we don't know if a crime had been committed. I'm sorry, that town would be named Marshtown if it was. <laughs> they had said that to me because I would have lost my fucking marbles and sued everybody who had anything to do with it. Could you imagine? We don't. We don't know if a crime had been committed. Yeah.
1: Oh, would you like to see a crime? Because I'm about to shove my whole foot up your ass. Yeah. So the case goes cold until about early 1997 when the sheriff's office gets a potentially
3: huge lead. But in early 1997, the Idaho Department of Fish and Game alerts the sheriff's office with a potentially huge lead. They have a hunter named Keith Hescock in custody for unlawful possession of wildlife. Inspectors have found a cache of pornography among his belongings, some of it appearing to depict underage females. What's more... They believe that Hascock was in the Chalice area four years earlier when Stephanie disappeared.
0: And so they were like, maybe he was also in Chalice at that time. And... He drove a pickup truck similar to the one that was described. It
1: was yellow. Uh,
0: yeah. And I was like, and then in my head, I was like, similar? Was it yellow? And the yeah. woman was like, it was yellow. I was like, okay, get off your sassy horse for five seconds and let the woman talk. Yeah.
1: Well, actually, they can confirm that he was in Chalice on October 11th, the day Stephanie disappeared, because he had shot a bighorn sheep in the county and had to report it. Yeah. So here's the thing, though they can't track down. The old truck.
0: Yeah, and they said there wasn't enough to follow that lead. I was like, what w- What else are you doing?
1: Yeah, they're being very vague about that. Yeah, wh- what
0: else are you doing? Are you tending to the 999 people that are still there? Yeah. Wh- what are they doing? Yeah. You can't track it down? How about we try a
1: little harder? Yeah, I know. That threw me off when they said that. And then, once again, the case goes cold. Yeah. And more changes occur in Stephanie's family because in 1998, Dad Ben moves the whole family— To Washington. And honestly, I don't blame him. I'm sure he probably was like, everything reminds me of my ex-wife, my missing daughter. I need a fresh start.
0: Yeah. You know? And Grandma Hazel and Grandpa Earl stayed back and they basically were like, I mean, maybe she'll come home. I
1: know. Oh! It was was heart-wrenching. Then in May of 2000, almost seven years after Stephanie's disappearance, they get a tip from an inmate who's serving time in a prison a few towns over who had information on potentially Stephanie's disappearance.
0: Well, she explained that. She lived with this super sus man. Now, they never name this man. They just keep calling him the Drifter. The Drifter. I was like, can we not call it, like, a name of maybe, like, a cool James Dean movie or something? Like, the Drifter? Like, that sounds, like, sexy and, like, mysterious. No. This guy's a dickhead. Yeah, yeah. What well, They literally keep calling him the Drifter.
1: Well, they call him the Drifter because, okay, so it's, it's actually kind of weird. This inmate was like, I knew a woman. Who told me this information? They finally pull her in and have a conversation with her, and she lived with this man. And the reason they called him the Drifter was because he drifted between Idaho and Oregon. I still
0: don't like the name. Oh, I don't I like said it the either. Drifter. Hey, I'm the Drifter. Yeah, no! you
1: a weirdo. You're the
0: creepy guy. Yeah. We're going to hear more, but, like, you're the creepy guy. Can we call him creepy guy? Well, well he
1: is the creepy guy Can because— Can someone
0: tweet at ID to have them change? Could you imagine it just says every time they say the drifter. Say—you say drifter. Ready?
1: Drifter. Creepy guy.
0: <laughs> like, it just—just just a really bad VO. Just, like,
1: <laughs> creepy guy.
0: It's so weird. Stop it calling weird. him that. Well, he is
3: a creeper because, basically, this woman was like, When she lived with him in Nampa, Idaho, she found his behavior extremely suspicious. That's when we learned about this basement. Nobody allowed down there. He wouldn't let anybody down there, and people heard a girl crying down there. The roommate says neighbors believed someone was being held captive. She says she asked the drifter why he always kept the basement locked, and his answer was troubling. He said that it was his daughter. She was being punished for running away or something like
1: that. She said that he had a basement that no one was allowed into. The
0: minute you say I'm not allowed somewhere, I'm going there. Oh, absolutely. The minute you oh, I can't go in here? No, never. (laughs) I'm going with a flashlight because I'm scared of the fucking dark. of course. I'm going with some friends. Okay, no, I won't go in the basement.
2: (laughs) What's in this fucking
1: basement? And so... One day, the woman asked him, she's like, why won't you let me go into the basement? And this is what he had to say.
0: He was like, oh, right, the basement. And I thought it was going to be all Beauty and the Beast. He's like, that's where I keep my library, little town. No, he was like, oh, right, right. Yeah, it's forbidden. What's in the West Wing?
1: It's forbidden.
0: No, he was like, oh, you know what? Fair question. You heard the screaming and the crying. Yeah, that's my daughter. And I'm punishing her for running away from me. Um, do you want peas or carrots for dinner?
1: Imagine. She's
0: like, wait, what? Mm. Yeah, he just said it. He was like, yeah, I just I keep her down there. Don't worry about it. Um, but I I'm making a lovely spaghetti bolognese. Do you want? I mean, I uh, 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 What
1: do you even
2: say what, to that? What,
0: exactly what you just said? The stutter yep. and this and well, the, Yeah.
2: Ah, ah, ah.
1: So, of course, she waited one day for him to leave, and when he left the apartment, she went through his things, and she found some uh. fucked up shit, including Young girl's underwear. Uh, You're disgusting. I hope wherever you are, you are. I hope you burn in hell. I cannot imagine. I don't understand people who prey on anyone, let alone a child, the innocence of a child, a child who can't defend themselves. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. So obviously this woman was like, I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. So I ran away to get away from this man. Yeah.
0: She and they were like, was that What's
1: Stephanie, right? yeah. Oh
0: my gosh, That's horrible. But I mean, to be fair, I'm not. I'm not blaming this woman, but she should have followed her gut, right? I mean, she already said it was weird, it was sus, you know. Like I don't know. That just all sounds. So and she scary. also had
1: children. Yeah, And she didn't want her children to be.
0: But they didn't actually specify if the children were there in the house. No, with they were her. very vague on that. Yeah.
1: So in April of 2000, Canyon County detectives dig into. The drifter. that asshole's past. Yeah. And they discovered that back in November of nineteen ninety-two in Portland, Oregon, he was arrested for sexually abusing his daughter. And this gets even worse. Like, it gets even worse. I, I mean really I'm dead ass serious. If you if you have a lot of anxiety or if you have uh rage issues, I recommend uh taking his yeah. annex now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we'll wait. Ding, 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 ding. Whew, I'm just trying to lighten the mood. He never served time. Yeah. Again, when you tell me that I come for police too much, make this make sense. He was charged.
1: Third and, degree. And
0: there are people serving time for petty crimes. There is a woman serving 10 years for lying about her address to get her daughter into a better school system. Yep. Okay? I don't give a Fuck where you send your daughter. You want to pull them out of the school? Great. You're going to send that woman to fucking prison, and this man is going to get, I have chills all over my body, because he made a plea bargain, and he was allowed to move. Yeah. He was allowed to move around. He was allowed to go about with his fucking life. Somebody, bring me off my rage train. Somebody make it make sense yeah. to me.
1: It is horrifying. He did not serve a day in fucking jail, because you know if he did, he would have been fucking shanked. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand what that judge was thinking. Be like, you know what? Okay, well, you're going to take the plea bargain. Great. We'll give you three years probation. Oh, you want to move to Idaho? That's fine. Yeah. I mean, you want to spread your disgusting disease around and possibly hurt another child? I mean, Idaho's fine. That's fine. Go and fuck yourself. Yeah. That man should have been in prison.
0: Ooh, the anger, the anger, the anger it's that really I see. me like, what's
1: t- What's <laughs> the fucking point? Yeah. What's the point in having laws? Yeah. If you're going to let a man who abused their own daughter Rome free. Yeah. Make it make sense. So now in mid-April of 2000, a detective tracks this man down to his job in Nampa, Idaho, and asks him to submit to a poly.
3: And investigators ask him a series of pointed questions. They were to the effect, did you have anything to do with the disappearance of Stephanie Crane? Did you take Stephanie Crane? Three questions along that nature in which he answered no. And it indicated that he was being extremely deceptive on his answers. When he is told the polygraph results, the drifter becomes defensive. He became kind of irate, argumentative, you know, tried to explain why his answers come up deceptive.
1: Honey, he failed that poly. And then he became aggressive with investigators when they pushed further. Yeah,
0: and irate. He became irate because he—go piss up a fucking rope. Yeah. Yeah, because your lies didn't work out. Go piss on an
1: electric fence, you piece of shit. Yeah. So then a week later, they get a search warrant issued for that guy's former apartment where, you know, they said that they thought maybe someone had been held hostage in the basement. They fully inspect the basement. Couple mattresses, they find blood stains on the mattress. They cut it out, they send it out. They find a rope with fibers uh, or hairs in it. They send it all to the lab. Two months later, they come back and they say this.
0: They find that the blood work was inconclusive. Yeah, They couldn't tell if it was human or animal. Now, I don't do anything scientific. I sit in front of a microphone and I squawk and I leave those really important jobs to people who are doing really important things. Yeah. But you do still have one job, right?
1: Absolutely. Like
0: and you're supposed to be qual you couldn't tell if it was animal or human? Wow. Yeah. I I I don't know shit about shit, but I feel like you should definitely know how to do that. Yeah. I mean like I, I, it is I am I'm in a coma. At this point like I've I'm still in a coma from all I, my of My heart breaks
1: for poor Stephanie because it just feels like so many people dropped the ball for this sweet angel. Also, the hair sample that they found, it didn't have the follicle. So they couldn't determine if it was Stephanie's. I've so, also
0: never really heard. I mean, I feel like they are aggressively mediocre at this job. Well,
1: maybe the, the science has advanced now. You know, maybe technology is way more advanced in forensics and they would be able to say, Jane, tell me. Jane, I know you're listening. Jane, you'll have the answer. Tell me because you oh, work in forensics. Oh, yeah. Jane from San Diego. Yeah. Um, uh, I just... It's hard. It's hard because it feels like several times they get close and then, yeah, Yeah, so they don't have enough to arrest this fucking
0: dipshit pasta strainer fucking poor excuse for a man. Because whatever happened down there, it wasn't good. No. If it didn't have anything to do with Stephanie, that's one thing. But something, there were mattresses down there. I, I. A mattress with
1: blood on it? Yeah. That is a telltale sign.
3: A month later. Idaho State Police and the FBI are back in chalice. They show a photo lineup to Tina Foster, who was working at the bowling alley the night Stephanie disappeared. When asked if she sees the suspicious looking man, Tina points to the photo of the drifter, but says she's not 100% certain. With no positive identification or physical evidence like DNA, investigators don't have enough to arrest him for Stephanie's kidnapping.
1: The first picture she points to is the one of that guy.
0: Yeah. And then she says three words. Not one. Was it four words? Not 100% certain. That's yeah. not four words. That's yeah. four words.
1: Yeah. Just,
0: then she says four words. Not 100% certain. Yeah. But were you? Because you went right to him. Yeah. I feel like that was a little bit of mind fuckery. It's him. Oh, I don't know. But it was. You went right to him. Right. That can't be a coincidence. Yeah. Oh, so they can't? I can't physically do this today. They can't arrest him. No. Why? Why not? Just guess. We have enough people in jail that are serving times for crimes they didn't commit. I'm pretty sure he committed this one, so why not? Just arrest him.
1: Well, I mean, we fuck around and find out later. That's not how this works, and that's why you're not in law enforcement. (laughs) So
0: (laughs) he just looks, uh, sir. He drives a Camaro. (laughs) Ma'am, we can't put him in jail for driving a Camaro. Why? (laughs) Ma'am, because we just... Okay, well, I don't like this game. Ma'am, this is the law. And then that's when I get arrested and disbarred. What is it called? I have no idea. Where are we? Hello. I'm so glad I'm here with you, Ellen. I'm canceling my subscription for today. For today as a day, I'm canceling my
3: subscription.
1: So then in June of 2002, the police are in a chase Uh, with Keith Hescock. Remember that
3: guy? Bonneville County Sheriff's deputies are in hot pursuit of Keith Hescock, the hunter who was arrested for poaching and possessing pornography of seemingly underage females. Now, Hescock is suspected in a horrific sex crime.
2: He had kidnapped a little girl from Idaho Falls. He had raped her. He handcuffed her to the bed and he left and went to work. He had told her that he had done this before and he killed the little girl. And he told this
1: victim that he had done this before and that he killed that girl. So when he left, she got a hold. I mean, I can't imagine being in that position and trying to figure out how do I get out of this.
2: Yeah,
1: This girl had the wherewithal to grab a fire extinguisher, which was close by, and use that to break the handcuffs. And she escaped.
0: Yeah. Fucking amazing fucking down bitch. So... The cops were waiting for this fucking piece of trash at his house and he took off. Yeah. He took off in like it looked like a moving van or well, something. Well we see yeah.
1: we see the dash cam.
0: Yeah. And it's like a high speed chase. He gets out of his car, shoots the dog, shoots a police officer, and we see this poor man, this poor police officer hobbling, yep. saying, like, I've been shot, canine down, and then he shot himself. And
1: uh, we see him do it. Yeah, like we see him do it on the footage. I was like, I mean, you don't see the gun, like, it, but you see him drop to the ground and roll. I, I, it was all of it was way too much. Yeah. So now we won't ever know if he was involved in Stephanie's disappearance. Yeah. But I'm just like,
0: that is a specific kind of rage, to we don't know, of course. Yeah. But to you did something, you motherfucker. Yeah. You did fucking something and you knew it was wrong because you fucking ran. Yep. And he said to that little girl, I've done this to a little girl before. Yeah.
1: I don't even begin to try to understand what happens in someone's mind that would assault... I mean,
0: from the bottom of my heart, I don't give a fuck. I don't give
1: a fuck either. I don't give
0: a fuck. From the actual bottom of my very, very large heart, I don't give a fuck.
1: Yeah. I hope that man is burning in the deepest, darkest depths of hell with gasoline panties on. Yeah. And I don't grieve for someone like that. I just, you know, the thing is, is, that I just don't understand what happens to make anyone want to physically harm anyone yeah. in that way, especially a child. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Oh.
0: <sighs> so, in 2003, Grandpa Earl passes. Yes. And they get a stunning lead. Christopher, you said "stunning lead" twice in this episode. I'm going to beg you to get off my nerves for five seconds. (laughs) I love you. I'll see you at Obsessed Fest.
3: In December 2006, 13 years after 9-year-old Stephanie Crane vanished, a new and unusual lead suddenly surfaces. A man in Thorn Creek, 165 miles from Chalice, left a suicide note stating that years earlier, a friend of his named Kevin Mooney told him he had kidnapped a girl named Steph in Chalice and killed her.
1: Yeah, and this note says, I can't live with the secret I've kept. A man named Kevin Mooney told me that he had kidnapped a girl and he referred to her as Steph. Mm -hmm. And so the FBI and the police investigate this man. They bring him in for questioning. They conduct a full search of his home and his property. They don't come up with anything. He does have a little bit of a record. Yeah. But he passes his polygraph and he's like, I have no idea why this man would say something like this. I have yeah, no idea. It yeah. was very weird. Very
0: weird. And they go with the dogs. Now, what scent? This is very confusing, and I know we have a couple of down bitches that work with canines. How can they preserve that scent for so long? Yeah. Because they went with cadaver dogs well, to see if maybe she was there. I'm going
1: to assume that these are dogs that are trained to smell human remains. Maybe, That's yeah. what I'm assuming yeah. that they're after. But yeah, I mean, they don't come up with anything. And so then we get to October 11th, 2012, and Stephanie's dad, Ben, sadly passes from a major heart attack. At
0: 48.
1: 48 years you old.
0: You cannot for one second, again, I'm not a doctor, you cannot for one second telling me these parents losing their lives so young didn't have anything to do with stress and grief.
1: Oh, absolutely. 48.
0: And it just seems like this whole episode was this family just getting hit after hit after hit. And, you know, it is quite a short episode with a lot of really weird leads that don't actually lead anywhere Yeah, it's like honestly the only thing I can equate it to is me starting a and I'm not trying to be funny me starting a project with ADHD Yeah, because I will start a project and like I'll start you know cleaning out my kitchen cupboards and then I'm like you know I'm like oh my closet hasn't been cleaned out lately I mean I do the same thing how are you guys not finishing all of these things they're like well no it just it didn't we just uh, it didn't seem like they did anything no sorry it's
1: it, This case is spread far and wide, and there's nothing tied up. It's all loose ends. So
0: June 2016, they go to interview the drifter—I Yeah, I don't want to say it—the creep—with the girl in the basement, and they don't tell us what happened. Yeah. I was like, who are you protecting? I get it. You know, innocent until proven guilty, but, like, you know it's him.
1: Well, the investigator says that. He's like, yeah. we really believe that this guy was involved in Stephanie's disappearance— and we've gotten him so close to confessing, but he won't just. Tis- like we can't quite get him there.
0: What? Okay, so so take him to court. Yeah. Why aren't we taking him to court? We love yeah. court. Yeah. Don't don't we love court? Like I don't understand. Like who are you talking to? Are you yeah. consulting your fucking unicorn? Like, yeah. Like what are you
1: doing? Who are you consulting? There's a lot of conversations about conversations. That are quite vague. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand. But I mean, I guess they're all trying not to get sued.
0: And, you know, they reference the three girls from Ohio. From a couple of episodes ago. And Grandma Hazel was like, you know, those girls were found. And that is the hope that Grandma Hazel holds onto is that horrible Cleveland torture place. She was like, maybe she is coming back.
1: Yeah. She also says that, you know. This has changed my family for forever. Yeah. And we don't stay mad at each other. You know, when we say goodbye, we hug. We mm-hmm. say, I love you because life is too short. And you never know. You just never know. And I mean, my God, when she said that, it just made me think of my dad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm grateful for the last conversation I had with him. But also it's 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 hard. It's hard. I say We all have to draw boundaries with people that in our family sometimes because sometimes people are a little too comfortable. Yep. But I do believe that I always say I love you when I get off the phone with you. Yep. If you love somebody, tell them. Yeah. And if you're upset with somebody, heal it. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not worth it. What I'm talking about is people in your life that you love and cherish— Don't let the sun go down on your anger.
0: Yeah. We actually do need those reminders. Yeah. You know, you need those reminders to say, you know, when someone pops into your head and um, you just text them and you just say, hey, you popped into my head today thinking about you. Don't know. You know, so wherever Stephanie Crane may be, because this is still unsolved in her memory or thought, I would love every down bitch listening right now just shoot a text to someone that you love and just yeah. tell them why you love them. And I promise you, you'll make their day and just say, you know, I love you because, and yeah. just send that text today. Cause I need that reminder sometimes too.
1: You know, I always say that if I wake up with someone on my spirit, yep. I call them You do, or text them. You
0: absolutely do. And uh, so let's all do that in honor of her today. And, and grandma Hazel, because yeah. grandma Hazel is true. You just, you got to hug everyone. So, so tight. So anyone with any information about Stephanie is encouraged to call the Custer County Sheriff's office at two zero eight. 879-2232 or you can call the sheriff's office at 208-879-5372 and you can always leave a message and we have learned, you know, from doing this show, hope is never gone. It's not. It's really not. Yeah. We always hope for the best. We always hope for resolution and we always hope that these stories have closure for the family, but there is always hope. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. Say something funny. It's still a comedy podcast. <laughs>
1: oh, got you. Well, uh, maybe I could find a mat at the home goods that says, I already heard the good news of Jesus Christ and I'm not interested. Goodbye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the goodbye for me.
1: <laughs> bow 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where is she? I know this poor baby. Yes. I really,
1: I hope Grandma Hazel gets answers.
0: I love Grandma Hazel Grandma and the town Hazel. of Chalice. And and the town of Chalice. I wonder if they have more than a thousand people now. Uh, we can go visit and make it a thousand and two. Really fuck some shit up. They're like, who brought the loud people? Anyway, down bitches, we would love for you to follow us on social media. We will update you with pictures of Joey's coffin-like room. We're at the disappeared pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're not following
1: our TikTok, Please take a second to go and do it because it is buffoonery that you will enjoy. We're
0: trying to keep you laughing among all these dark stories and darkness in the world. You can always count on me and Joey to be big old (laughs) dum-dums for your (laughs) entertainment. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Ellen Marsh and Joey at It's Joey Toronto. Don't forget to join us on the Patreon where there is more laughs and even more buffoonery. It's where we we take these, we don't take these dark stories on uh, the Patreon. We make it a little more lighthearted. We're right smack dab in the middle of I Almost Got Away With It. We just finished up Pink Collar Crimes. We did a little Love Honor Betray. We have back episodes with that other girl who used to go here from Snap and See No Evil. <laughs> that, old that old buzzer. That old buzzer. But there is lots there for you to enjoy and we love giving you our special inside scoop on our close friend circle on our Instagram that's where Joey shows his butt a lot so if that interests (laughs) you and by the time you hear this I think we're about to see you at Obsessed Fest I don't know I don't have an internal calendar but we can't wait to see we love you so much And join our Facebook group That is where we
1: interact With you the most Tell them about it It's called The Obsessed with Disappeared Podcast Discussion Group And we're in there We, There's a lot of love There's a lot of camaraderie There's a lot of shit talking a lot In the of best shit talking. possible way
0: But we love to see you y'all. Yeah. Yo, you, you guys can dish it You yeah, can dish we it We can it. take it We love you down bitches We love you And I love you Yellen Marie Marsh I love you Joey <laughs> Bye, Bye. There is a guy named was it Hescock or Hes- Hescock? I hate that name. Hes- she's not mean, she's just Italian. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know. Yeah, I know. I would I, I wouldn't think to do that, but maybe in a small town you would. Yeah. Along along with Lucy's cute ass coals. Coles, Did you drive an hour to Coles? <laughs> I'm not driving that hour to Coles and your movie's coming out soon. It's coming out
1: next week. Tell them about it. You you guys, I have two movies coming out this month. And I just want to say, like, if I can do it, you can do it. Go after your dreams. Life is too short. Do it.
0: Listen, I thought Joey had one foot in the grave at 42. Turns out he's still got some magic to make (laughs) in this world. But be sure and see bros and tag Joey when you do. We are so proud of him. And you all are the most supportive community we have ever been a part of. You guys are amazing. Thank you for that.